0: To speak today on grace. My topic is grace to overcome, and I want to build a little bit of foundation here as we dive into this topic of grace. So follow me along uh, here as I build a little bit of foundation that you do not have right now on your handout. It was Peter who had boldly declared Jesus' true identity when he said these words, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now we know that this same Peter sat by a fire in the courtyard trying to get a to get comfortable and wondering what to do as he watches his master, his rabbi get carried away to be crucified. A young woman interrupted. You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. Peter adamantly denied such a significant association and changed venues to an outer porch. A second encounter with a female servant who recognized him produced the same accusation. This fellow was with Jesus. Peter refuted the charge with a stronger I do not know the man. Hours earlier, Peter had been so passionate and loyal, but in these moments, he fell prey to the prophecy of the one who knew him the best. A third person noticed his accent and declared him to know Jesus. The scripture puts it this way in Matthew 26, 73, but your speech betrays you. One last time, instead of standing by his vow of loyalty to Jesus, he became angry and began to curse. This is how we know that cursing is not associated with Jesus Christ. I know there are churches, I know there are preachers and teachers that curse. My wife and I were at a conference not too long ago, and they made the statement, I think it's okay for you to curse just a few times a year. That is a lie from the devil. Notice I said we were at a church conference when they said this as well. It is not okay to curse. Peter did not curse, and God said it's okay. No, they were asking him Is he one of his? And he was cursing to disconnect himself from Jesus Christ. So cursing doesn't draw you closer to him. Cursing draws you away from him. One last time, instead of standing by his vow of loyalty to Jesus, he became so angry he cursed. Immediately the cock crowed and Peter currently left, finding a place of solitude where he wept bitterly. After denying Jesus Christ at such a pivotal moment, how could Peter find his way back to his calling and destiny? The Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 16, you'll see it up here on the screen starting at verse number six. It says, and he saith unto them, be not a frightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples, And Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him as he said unto you. It is not a coincidence that Peter was the only disciple specifically named. God knew a man with a calling on his life and was fighting through the pain of his own failure. When the news of the empty tomb reached the disciples, Peter passionately pursued his master. He did not hide or seclude himself in his own shame although struggling with the denial of his identity Peter ran to Jesus and that is what we must do when we make a mistake we must run to Jesus when you make a mistake don't allow the enemy to cause you to run away from the church no my friend you run to the church amen you run to the church run to Jesus The purpose of the cross was already impacting Peter's life. Almost two months later, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the person who stepped up and first preached the message that has given all of humanity hope was Peter. The same man who weeks earlier, listen to me now, just weeks earlier, rejected any association with Jesus, was now ready to embrace redemption. I wonder, are we ready to embrace people that have just made a mistake just a couple weeks ago? Jesus allowed a man who denied him not once not twice but three times and cussed but on the day of Pentecost he was the one that Jesus used to stand up and deliver a message to all the people would you allow somebody to step into your life that you know has been in the wrong for just the last few weeks and now all of a sudden they have been restored would you allow them to help you Would you allow them to speak in your life? We must be able to redeem people back and place them back in that position. Oh, some ought to say amen to that. Because we have a hard time doing that. We want to keep people down until they earn their way back up. But that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. Once you repent in that moment, God has placed you right back where you left off. I said he places you right back where you left off. He doesn't say, well, you need to start in the back row and you need to work your way up one seat every single Sunday until you get back to your position. No, no uh-uh. he'll have you right back with a mic in your hand. He'll have you right back where you should be in the Lord. So the same man who weeks earlier rejected any associate with Jesus is now ready to embrace redemption. God never gives up on people who refuse to give up on him. There was no candidate better than Peter to talk about the promise of salvation and new life. So today, let's talk about grace. Let's talk about grace. Amen. Let's talk about grace. Grace to overcome. Follow me here. We can have faith that God will extend grace. The answers will come up on the screen as well, all right, if I go too fast. We can have faith that God will extend grace to us to walk in newness, newness of life. God is love, and grace is inseparable from his very nature. We can't save ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We cannot save ourselves. And we can't make any spiritual progress without God at work in our lives. We need Jesus we need Jesus and I'm thankful he lovingly gives us grace grace can be defined in many ways but we see from the New Testament it is an extension of God's love he offers freely to everyone we are saved not because of anything we can do but because we have faith in and accept God's grace. That extension of love and mercy, he grants us to approach him. Grace empowers us to respond to the gospel and live a full and triumphant life in our new relationship with Jesus. It's important for us to take this one day at a time. As we consistently seek God daily, that is important to consistently seek God daily. He will help us build a life of faith. In the Christian journey, we live one day at a time. Day by day, we turn to God for direction and help making a fresh start. When we are patient with ourselves, our consistency in our pursuit of God and consistent in our pursuit with God, he will help us grow and mature. Notice the emphasis that I'm putting on consistency. It's consistency. It's important that each and every day we are consistent with the Lord. If you want to receive God's grace and accept His grace, that is consistent, my friend. I'm telling you, if you made a mistake today, God's grace is available for you tonight. It was available for you before you even walked in these doors. But I, I just want to help someone here today because I fear it that many many of you have been going through certain test trials and certain things that you just been walking in yourself. See, there's some things you can't blame God for. All right, we, we, you can't blame God for it. Matter of fact, you can't even blame the devil for it as well. You just doing that your own self. <laughs> we, sometimes we blame the devil. He, you know, the devil cannot be all places at one time. Did you know that only God can? We blame the devil. He's like, I'm over in Utah. What you talking about? I, I haven't been to Indiana in 17 years. What, what, what are you talking about right now? And, 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 and so some things we just got to kill our own flesh. Right. But even when we do make a mistake, we have to know that God's grace is available and we can't run from Jesus. No, we need to run to Jesus, run to him. So it's important. Often we ask ourselves this question. Why am I still struggling with? You can fill in the blank there. The thought of living fault free for the rest of our lives may seem overwhelming and even impossible. The good news is, is that we just need to focus on Today And Jesus will be present to give us sufficient grace to walk in step with him. Some of the transformation God does in our lives happens instantly. Other change, however, takes place over time. The spirit enters in a moment, but its fruit must be developed over a lifetime. That is important for you to highlight, underline. Please take heed on that because that is so important. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It is important to understand that, not to beat yourself up because you're not progressing like you think you should. So don't compare yourself to other people, first of all. Don't compare yourself to other people's walk, whether they're moving too fast or too slow. God wants to elevate you and move you at his pace. All right. So you, you work, and, and, and let me just help out some married couples right now. Don't compare your walk to your spouse in your home either. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you think you're moving faster than your spouse, don't talk down upon your spouse because she's not moving fast enough. No, you just go to the Lord and say, Lord, move upon my spouse. God, uh, work, work on them or whatever the case may be because they could be in the other room saying the same thing about you. I got one amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Same thing about you. Lord, touch my husband. What Tell him to slow down. And I'm in the other room. Tell him to speed up, Lord. Tell him to speed up. Just, the Lord's like, I don't know who to answer right now because y'all, y'all need to get on the same page. Praise God. Amen. It, it, it's at your own pace, all right? So don't compare yourself to anybody. Just know his grace is sufficient for both of you. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Fruit. Sometimes it develops over time, a lifetime. Discipleship does not happen once and for all at an altar. Discipleship happens every moment of every day. And some days we will do well, and we find ourselves living right next door to Jesus. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Other days we do not do so well, and we find ourselves continents away from him. It is not as important how close we are to God as it is in which direction we are headed. I I, I really want y'all to get get this. I I really want you to get this. All right. It's important about the direction that you're going. I don't know. I can't feel God. I'm not sure. You may not be in a place where you think you should be. And many of you are probably not in a place where you should be. But what direction are you walking in? I I, I can't, I I have to stop holding my head down or hanging my head off of yesterday. I've got to focus on right now and know that God's grace is sufficient right now. And I've got to keep moving forward. Because if you keep hanging your head off of yesterday, the devil will keep your head down. And if your head is down, you don't know what direction you're going in, my friend. The Bible says to look to the heels from which cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. I'm telling you, if you don't know where to look, just look to Jesus. Look up. Keep looking up. Because his grace is sufficient. Amen. Do not get frustrated that you still get frustrated. Amen. <laughs> hey somebody needs to be. <laughs> don't get frustrated because you still get frustrated. Yes. Discipleship is not a one-time event, but it's a daily process. So let's look at two key points I really want to bring out, one being patience. Spiritual maturity takes patience. Spiritual maturity. Peter was denying and cussing and then preached a couple weeks later. That's some pretty fast maturity right there. Denying and cussing, and was a preacher just a couple days later. Ain't that something? Why is that? I think I heard it from both of you. What did you say? Say that louder. Repentance, repentance. Because when the Lord recognizes a repentive heart, He says, "I'm ready to use that. I can use that." Now, not to get too deep off my subject here, but that was Saul's problem. The first king. I'm not talking about Saul, who became, who was also known as Paul. Now, talk about the apostle. I'm talking about King Saul. He he never wanted to repent. It was always somebody else's fault. Prophet, I wanted to wait on you, but you was taking too long, so I decided to take matters into my own hands. Hmm. But I, I think I read somewhere where obedience is better than sacrifice. So God said, well, I'm going to go get somebody after my own heart then, somebody that's going to repent. Yes. Oftentimes, see, we recognize David as a worshiper, and yes, he was, but he also was somebody that repented. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Yes. David, whenever he would make some sort of mistake, he, you always found David on his knees. You never found King Saul on his knees. You don't see where Saul wrote any book in Psalms repenting. But you find David saying, Lord, work on me. Lord, help me. Work on my heart. Touch my mind. Help me, Lord. Take not your spirit away from me. That's David. We must have a repentive mindset because his grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. We're going to walk out of here today with victory. I'm telling you. We're going to walk out with victory. His grace is sufficient. All right? Where am I? (laughs) Patience. Patience. Spiritual maturity takes patience. Patience is rarely pretty. We will have times when we pray and then feel like we're walking on clouds. Thank God for those times. But we are not automatically exempt from taking Life's tests and facing life's temptation. So when you're having good times, please rejoice. Again, I say rejoice because we're not exempt. Just because we become a born-again believer, that doesn't exempt us from tests and trials. I wish I had a, a, an older saint in here agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Patience then consistency. The, the discipleship process also involves consistency. In our lives, we must be willing to invest in daily time with God. Recognizing that in addition to the joy of being in his presence, in those moments, we are also shaping our lives to continually be stronger in our faith and closer to God. This will help us in our third point, which is enduring storms of life. We can expect to encounter trials. Remember, again, the answers are up on the screen. We can expect to encounter trials on our Christian journey, but God will sustain us. He will sustain us. Sometimes we end up in tough times as a reality of living in a fallen world full of broken people. Storms of life come to everyone. But as Christians, we have the understanding that God redeems all of our pain and creates purpose out of our trials. There is a purpose for the trial. All right. If God is taking you through the trial, there's a purpose for the trial. Now, if you put yourself in the trial, then you got to find out your own purpose. And you better find out real quick, Lord, help me. Cuz I took a left when you told me to go right. But if God is allowing something to happen in your life, then there's a purpose for it. All right. Romans 8:28 tells us, "And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose." It is a certainty that God works all things together for good. I'm gonna say that again. It is a certainty that God works all things together for good. And yes, some trials may cause us to question whether anything good can come out of this. Oh, nobody said that before. Can anything good come out of this? We must be certain in his word, though. There may be times when all we can do is ask God for strength to endure another day. See, the natural eye sees what we are going through and asks, why does this happen to me? The spiritual eye sees what you're going through and affirms because we know God is faithful to his word. We can trust him to bring us through the storm. I feel the Lord right now. I want you to lay your papers down to the side. Come on, let's just lift our hands in here for a moment. Let's allow the spirit of God to speak to us right now. Come on, let's allow the Holy Ghost to minister to us. Come on, come on. We need to receive before I go any further. Come on. I know we're going through storms. I know we're going through tests in our homes, and our families, and our life. But we need to see through the spiritual eye. I said stop looking through the natural eye and see through the spiritual eye. That we can trust him to bring us through the storm. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on. Just for a few more moments, let's lift our hands and lift our voice. Holy Ghost, speak to us right now. Holy Ghost minister right now. Help us, God. I know there's a trial happening in your family. I know there's a storm going on. I know there's a storm. Oh, but stay in the boat, somebody. Stay in the boat. Just stay in the boat. Don't jump ship just because things are getting rocky. Don't leave the boat. Jesus is in the boat, my friend. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you receive that now in your spirit, clap your hands unto the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, because Jesus is in your boat, whether he's sleep or awake, he's still in the boat. And I'd rather have Jesus sleep in my boat than not in my boat at all. Amen? Now, remember the story. It's not in my notes, so follow me here remembering the story. When, 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 when they, the storm was happening, and they said, Jesus, wake up. You don't care that we perish. It's a storm out here. Remember, I pointed out when I preached this some time ago, I forget when, but I preached this message, or maybe I taught it one time, uh, that there were other little boats. Oftentimes, we kind of read and skim through that story. We we miss that part. Jesus and his disciples weren't the only one in the ocean. Go back and read it. Go back and read it. There were other little boats around, and Jesus weren't in their boat. But I'm here to tell you that, see, that gives us understanding that when you know Jesus is with you, people in other little boats are watching to see how you respond to the situation. I'm trying to help somebody here right now, right there. See, you don't realize that, that people are watching you. They're watching how you respond. You may have a storm happening in your life, but people are watching to see how you respond in the middle of your storm. But my friend, just remember that Jesus is in your boat. He's in your boat. Amen? All right. I feel like preaching that for him. Oh, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Enduring the storm, enduring the storm. Overcoming failure is so important. We're all human and we'll make mistakes. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. The key is to turn to Jesus and accept his grace. Accept his grace to get back up and keep going. Philippians 1, verse number 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If the Lord has started a work in you, my friend, he hasn't given up on it. You may have given up on it. Are you you hearing me? But Jesus never gives up on it. If there's an anointing on your life, are you hearing me? If there's an anointing on your life that God has given you, you may have given up on him, but he hasn't given up on you. And you can't allow the mistakes in your life to give up on him because his grace is sufficient. And he's just waiting on you to repent of the thing that you're dealing with so he can put you back where you once were. I don't feel God, preacher. I, I don't I, I don't feel this and I and I feel less. Just repent. I'm telling you right now, once you repent, God says, I'm ready now. See, you can't base your level of anointing based on how people view you. Uh I I, I got some of your attention right now. You, you, you You can't do that. You have to look at what God has placed in you and how he views you. Because if it would have been based on the disciples on the day of Pentecost, Peter should have been the last one to stand up. Why, why couldn't it be someone that's been faithful the entire time? But it was someone who the angel of the Lord had to remind the women who came to the tomb. Hey, I know y'all are all at the same house, but there's one person at the, that's missing from that house. And the Lord hasn't forgot about him. So I need you to go tell the disciples and I need y'all to go find Peter. Because he's not where he should be. I need y'all to go find him because I need him. I gave him some keys a while back. And those keys were to the kingdom of God. Oh man, are y'all with me? I hope y'all know y'all Bible right now. I gave him some keys a while back. And in order for those keys to unlock the doors to the Gentiles and to the Jews and to, to Samaria, I, I, I need him to unlock the door so he can bring the gospel to the whole world. Because everywhere the Holy Ghost poured out for the first time, Peter was right there. Amen. Amen. Peter was right there. Why? Because he was given keys even though Jesus Christ, don't, don't you know the Lord knows all things? You don't think the Lord knew that he was going to fall? But his grace is sufficient. (laughs) Because he said, when you're restored, I need you to strengthen the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. Hallelujah. Imagine Peter, follow me here. Imagine Peter's shame at denying Jesus. Peter had professed commitment to the death. Yet in the moment of trial, he buckled. His shame was instantaneous. His inclination was to withdraw, like many of us. He could have blamed it on his circumstances, on his doubts, or on his fears. Instead, he allowed the master's reach to draw him forward into a place of great growth and commitment. He expected in faith, accepted in faith that God had a plan for him. The day of Pentecost was a dawning of a new day, not only for the church, but especially for Peter. Peter still tripped and fell a few times throughout the New Testament. He didn't become a perfect person. He still messed up a few times, but his falls were fewer and farther between. See, that's the key, my friend. That's how you know you're growing when your failures are few and far between. At some point, you shouldn't be making the same mistake every week. Uh If you have a mind and a heart of repentance, you really want the Lord to change you. There will be change. I'm not talking about tears, even though tears may come out your eyes. I'm not talking about just vain words, but I'm talking about from your heart. Lord, change me. He will change you. He will change you. And your mistakes will come fewer and farther between. All right. The Holy Ghost Peter received on the day of Pentecost changed his life. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Ghost that Peter received on the day of Pentecost changed his life and gave him the power to develop into a disciple of Jesus Christ. My friend, that is what we need. We need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the changer. The Holy Ghost is the thing that equips us. The Holy Ghost, that is the power that we need. And, and, and we need that power to operate daily. Uh-huh. Renewing of the Holy Ghost, Jude speaks of, Right? And and, and so it is important, uh, or excuse me, Titus, Titus chapter 3, verse number 5 speaks of, speaks of renewing in the Holy Ghost. And and so it is important to endow with that power, and that's what helped Peter to develop into a disciple of Jesus Christ. We just have to get back up and keep walking with Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. We just have to get back up and keep walking with Jesus why because his grace is sufficient his grace will help you to overcome his grace is enough to help you overcome i think if we would be honest with ourselves right now we know that we need the lord's grace would you be honest with yourself right now would you lift your hands just for a moment and accept the lord's grace right now come on come on accept the lord's grace accept the lord's grace Come on, accept his grace right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, grace to overcome, grace to overcome, grace to overcome. Come on, accept his grace. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, accept his grace right now. Accept his grace. Hallelujah. There's not one perfect person in this room Come on, we need you to accept his grace right now. Accept his grace for yourself. I'm not talking about for your neighbor, for your friend, for your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. I don't care who's sitting next to you. This is a one-on-one thing right now. Come on, accept his grace for yourself. I know I haven't been where I should be. I know I haven't been doing the things I should be doing. I know my mind has been places where it should not be. But Lord, I need your grace. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your grace. Come on, come on. Let's accept it right now. I'm thankful for your grace. It is because of his grace and his mercy that we are saved. I'm thankful, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Someone shout hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, grace to overcome, grace to overcome. all made mistakes. Every one of us have made mistakes. But let's not hold people hostage because of their mistakes. Let's not keep people bound because of their mistakes. Let's not try to keep them where we think they should be to earn something from us as if we are their ultimate judge. Let's not do that to one another because I don't want the Lord doing that to me. I must forgive if I want to be forgiven. We have to show grace. We have to show grace. When disciples were asking Jesus, hey, how often should we forgive? Seven times? Jesus said, 70 times seven. It is in that moment where you see the words, increase my faith. His disciples then said, Lord, you got to increase my faith. (laughs) I don't know. if 70, and he's talking about just one person, one day? 70 times seven? What's the math on that? Good answer. 490 times? Come on now. After the second time, some of us are like, okay, you're done. <laughs> you're, I told you once. You, I'm, not, I'm not telling you again. You're done. We got 488 more times to go. (laughs) According to the Bible, you got 400. You better not try that on me, Bentley. Don't don't even think about it. I know what you're thinking. Don't do it. The the disciple said, Lord, (laughs) increase my faith. (laughs) I don't know if I can do this. We need grace, we need grace. I, I I I feel it. I, I feel it. I feel it in this church that there are things happening in your life. In I feel it in my spirit. I feel it so strong. It's like a heavy burden on my shoulders right now. I feel it. We need grace, though. We got to keep loving. Come on, church. You you, you got to keep loving. You have to keep loving. You got to treat people right. You got to love people. We need grace. Grace to help us to overcome in the name of Jesus.